0: episode 76 of the future tribe show i am jermaine and i'm kelsey we've got a bunch of topics today a lot of logo refreshes again i feel like a few of those happened later on in the week Um, but getting into what we're going to cover on this episode of the podcast and the show uh, we're going to be talking about the coca-cola hug logo the fact that facebook now shows ads in search slash url bar Firefox, Firefox, sorry, what did I say? Facebook, <laughs> oh, Firefox, sorry, <laughs> Facebook's downtime during the week, uh, Facebook and related organizations, you would have all heard about it. Uh, we also got a bit of a chat about some Viagra hair growth medication brands, um, some, some more to talk about there and a shout out to Windows 11.
1: And we'll also be discussing uh, Boston Celtics have a new partner brand on their jerseys Um, where we're looking at the 2022 WordPress default theme. Canva's had a bit of a refresh as well. Um, We'll have a conversation about moving to a four-day work week. Um, It's probably something you've seen in the news a lot over the past few years, but we'll be talking about that today. Um, Two brand refreshes. One is Unity and another one is Cadillac. And also talking about Google and YouTube, uh, choosing not to support content that denies climate change and similar issues. So they're taking a stand against that.
0: A lot to uncover. I think let's roll the intro and get, get talking. All right, so the first thing that we mentioned was the Coca-Cola logo, the hug logo is what they're calling it. Or I guess it's supposed to represent the curvature of a bottle or the the traditional containers uh, that you consume Coca-Cola through. They've done something pretty creative with it and uh, made it look or, or used it as sort of a representation of hugging. Let me share that for... Everyone who's watching the video. So, this is what we see here. There's a few ex- examples of hugging of Coca Cola bottles, sort of clinking. And they've also got the new marketing phrase, which is real magic, um, and some creative sort of applications of this. My initial feedback or my initial feeling about this is. It's quite smart, especially for a brand like Coca-Cola. I think it's something that only more established brands can really get away with because you already know what the Coca-Cola lo- logo looks like. If you if you are trying to get your logo out there and get people to recognize your logo, this might not be the best approach, but with an organization like Coca-Cola, maybe even McDonald's, potentially even Facebook, uh, this is definitely something that you could you could attempt. What do you think, Kelsey?
1: Yeah, I really like it. Um, a brand like Coca-Cola, I think the biggest asset that they've had for years and years and years is that iconic Coke bottle. And I'm sure at some point I've heard that they'd sort of trademarked the shape of the bottle and things like that. So to then translate that into the logo, um, and they've done it really in a really smart way in that the edges of the Coke, um, the word, the way that they're actually curved, it's not just a plain old sort of curve it actually does follow that shape of where it would sit on the bottle so it's not sort of a uniform curve um which I think is really awesome because you can sort of visualize you're so familiar with that shape it really just sits there really nicely unsure on the um real magic tagline um I'm not really sure what it means to me maybe I'd need to see a you know ad campaign or something beyond just the tagline to understand it and put in context but I'm sure that they'll find a good way to explore that
0: well um i'm sort of cracking a bit of a smile because their chief marketing officer has said that real magic is not just a tagline that it is a philosophy um which i mean the intentions around it is to increase the coca-cola consumer base through an ecosystem of experiences anchored in consumption occasions such as meals and breaks and merged with consumer passions like music and gaming. So I think what they're trying to say with real magic is the, the magic of the moment sort of terminology and, and sort of sharing that experience with real people. Um, I think in the COVID lockdown age, that that sort of, I mean, hugs are, are such a such a I don't know, crucial thing nowadays. I think it's very, um, it, it's uh, hugs, hug's sort of a simple thing, or ha- at least has been a simple thing. But nowadays, you can't really hug just anyone. I mean, if you can hug at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe it's it's a bit of um, good timing on their part, or maybe maybe this real, real magic is supposed to sort of talk about the magic of the moments and the fact that uh, you can share magical moments with with loved ones with family with the people you want to hug mm-hmm. there's a nice i don't know there's a nice positive message there as well like there's a couple in this shot with a coca-cola bottle in the in the back pocket i don't know i've i've never done this with a glass coca-cola <laughs> bottle i don't know about no. you kelsey <laughs> i
1: mean women's pockets wouldn't fit it anyway to be fair
0: <laughs> it is but a back a pocket though so i haven't i haven't heard any comments about women's back pockets yeah <laughs>
1: yeah fair um no I do like the hug concept um it's funny because I feel like a lot of brands kind of shy away from talking about like hugs and contact and stuff because of COVID but it's nice that Coke's leaned into it in a different way without really making it like oh we shouldn't be doing that it's COVID times I think they've done that quite well
0: they've also not made a big deal about like it's not a overt hugging, representation or symbolism. I think they've done it in a somewhat subtle way. To me, what we're looking at the screen here and for those listening to the podcast is essentially laughter at what looks like a kid's birthday party. It's very colourful. There's there's balloons, there's smiles and a Coca-Cola bottle, um, of course, in the shot. But to me, this is sort of what that real magic um, trademarked term really aims to represent it's these magical moments i think as someone who i mean i don't have kids but looking at this it looks magical to me it looks like the kind of thing that you know parents talk about um when they sort of mention the the memories that they'll sort of always remember and always look back at fondly and i think that's what they're trying to represent in this
1: Mm. i do like it
0: yeah. On to the next one. Uh Firefox um when I I accidentally said uh Facebook but uh Firefox here we go. Um address bar has ads now. Um you can apparently disable them, but essentially what what happens is when you start searching or start typing in a search um in the in the bar up the top. You can see me selecting it on the screen uh screencast. Um the uh, Firefox essentially just shows ads there or or has partners uh, marketing within those search results. I wanted to mention this because it's just another example of ads just really crossing into the, the mainstream and sort of getting into more products than ever before. I think Facebook... Advertises so much that I don't really use Facebook anymore. Um, there've been examples of, uh, sort of budget phone manufacturers Pushing ads on home screens. I've heard of even Samsung pushing it on like their really high-end products
1: Yeah, my Samsung does that for sure
0: Wow, mine yeah. mine doesn't but <laughs> I don't I don't know why mine doesn't um Yours is not necessarily just a budget Samsung either
1: um, No <laughs> I'm not sure. It's only in very specific situations, but I can't think of what they are, but it's definitely pushed through from Samsung. So it's not sort of intrusive as much as it could be,
0: but But it is there.
1: there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of TVs doing the same thing, talking about like screensavers um, on some TVs, like my TV at home has got a screensaver, uh, but there's talk of putting advertising and pushing advertising already in some regions through those. So imagine you buying a TV for thousands of dollars, putting it as the centerpiece in your living room to then have ads. Exactly. It Um, feels very
1: Black Mirror-esque, doesn't it?
0: Exactly. Uh, And that's sort of what I wanted to talk about and why I wanted to point this out. Like, what do we do? Google Chrome people don't like it because of the privacy aspect and the fact that people, Google sort of follows you around. But then when I would say the only other browser that can really stand up to Google Chrome is Firefox is doing this. Is it just a money grab? Are they, I haven't looked into it. Maybe they're not profitable at all. And, um, I mean, they're a not-for-profit, but not-for-profits still need to make money to keep running, um, It's just an interesting one. I just wasn't sure how I felt about it.
1: Mm. I am not sure how I feel about it either because I feel like it's going to be a case of people that are less familiar with the user interface and things are going to be more likely to click on those ads without actually recognising that they're ads. I mean, I'm not sure how they're planning to display it. It might just be a case of having a little like suggested or like, you know, like you do on social media, it's just got a tiny little thing saying promoted. And it's hard to distinguish sometimes. So then all of a sudden you don't know that you're being advertised to. And I think that there's a lot of ethical questions in that.
0: Well, I think in an ideal world, they do the bare minimum so that it's it's obvious enough. Um, A bare minimum saying, I I don't think the only examples I've seen of platforms doing enough to make it clear that ads are ads is when there's a little advertisement sort of label underneath an ad. Um, or in the previous verge screen share, there was a powered by company name under an above an ad. Um, those are very obvious instances, but I mean, it makes sense, right? You you wouldn't want something to be seen as an ad because as soon as you see that it's an ad, or as soon as it's overtly clear that it's an ad, it uh, suddenly loses its impact. So,
1: yeah. I don't know. I feel like there'd be an opportunity there, though, for a company who's really like big on transparency and things to leverage on being transparent with the ads and build a customer base, I guess, off always being honest with that. I feel like it could really tie into a couple of brands really well, but it would have to be careful execution.
0: Well, it could, but then you're talking about two completely opposing things here, right? So a company getting enough market share uh, without funding from advertising essentially is what you're talking about, because if you make it clear that something's an ad, less people are likely to click on it. That's mm. almost a fact.
1: Yeah. But from the perspective of the brand that's advertising, like pushing through whatever channel it is, I think there'd be an opportunity there to say, Hey, yep, this is an ad, but we're being really honest with you. that it's an ad. I, I feel like there is room there for it, but it would just be. But oh, what
0: does that do? like if you saw that something was an ad would you I'd
1: be like okay hey, you're being really honest with me thanks for that let's see what you're wanting to push Would to you
0: me. would you so you would you would Maybe. take time out of your day to just check out an ad that I mean even getting noticed in the first place is like think about in that 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 uh mm-hmm. sort of lens right like so two in 100 people notice you and then you're going to say that, Hey, this is an ad click on me. What's, what's that going to do to your conversion rates?
1: Ma- ma- yeah, maybe an know.
0: opportunity for us to run some ads Yeah, and test it out. Who knows? Um, it could
1: work. I mean, if you sort of take it to a different space, like TV advertising, let's say everyone knows when the commercials come on, it's the commercials. really obvious, but that doesn't stop TV ads being important and helpful.
0: Well, TV ads are the biggest reason that Netflix succeeds. Because you don't see yeah. ads. Uh, yeah. <laughs> people, are, people are moving from, I mean, radio, yeah. same thing, right? I don't, radio Radio is the biggest reason why Spotify succeeds, why music streaming succeeds. Why, what, what I mean, there's is, definitely other
1: elements to it. Um, but yeah, that would be one of them.
0: A, a huge reason. I, I don't watch YouTube free because there's ads. Um, mm. I don't watch anything that, I mean, where, where possible, if... If ads were invasive enough, intrusive enough, I would pay to not see those things. Like in, like on YouTube, it's a bit of a different story around the web because generally Google penalizes sites that have ads that, uh, in, essentially, take over the the viewer's experience or make it a negative view, ne- negative sort of experience. But that again is because Google makes so much money through Google Ads that it's in Google's interest to make it hard for For advertisers to get better reach so it's it's a it's a it's a whole can of worms we don't have to get into it but I think um it's an interesting one it's one of those things that I would just disable straight away if I was a Mozilla Firefox user um moving on from that to Facebook's downtime now I noticed this um did you notice it
1: (laughs) I did. I realized how much of an addict I felt like when I I woke up in the morning and I think I clicked on Instagram first and then I tried to go to Facebook and then I tried to message somebody on Messenger and I couldn't get through anywhere and I just was like I'm, I feel so disconnected. I don't know what to do in this circumstance. <laughs> definitely eye opening for me. Um, but yeah, I did
0: laugh. It. I did laugh when I saw Mark Zuckerberg's big sort of. Apologies or posts about it because he was saying, We are sorry we let you down. You use Facebook and Facebook's many companies to connect with your loved ones. That is the biggest thing that I feel like in terms of a loss, it's not the advertising revenue that we've lost, so on and so forth. Um the only reason I laughed is because increasingly initially I, I used to think when people called Mark Zuckerberger sort of a computer I used to sort of say think you know be be nice to the guy he's done really well he's built this I mean it's an amazing thing that he's been able to do um through you know maybe not so great means but um <laughs> yeah. but then you know seeing hearing you sort of mention that Kelsey and talking to my my family how many of them use WhatsApp um Vibers in there as well in in terms of mm-hmm. sort of that that sort of uh, communication um, conversation, but WhatsApp's big, Instagram's big, Facebook's big. Um, I actually still experienced a few things that were sort of a bit funky on Instagram and Facebook um, as recently as just a few, few minutes ago. So it's clearly an ongoing thing that is trying to be rectified. But I think what it also did was brought up the an interesting conversation i saw a few competitors and you know email newsletter uh, software for example take it take it as an opportunity to say hey don't like this is a reminder that you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket this is a reminder that you need to take ownership over your own platform ownership over your own network and your own group i mean we have a facebook group um by the way, shameless plug, go <laughs> check it out, um, link in the description. But it, it it raises an interesting question. Like, do we, the, the beauty, the reason we have a Facebook group is convenience. Like Facebook's already got the users. So how much easier is it to get them to just click a join button than if we were to create our own platform, have to maintain that? It's it's not It's not difficult or impossible. It's just additional... Work that mm-hmm. Facebook more can friction. do for us for free, Ex- yeah. and and exactly more friction as well. We've got to we've got to send them there. So, I think it's raised some interesting questions, and and then at the same time, there's talks about um, talks about what crypto and decentralization will do. So potentially in the future, websites won't even require like this this very controlled framework to operate because what's what's happened here with facebook is essentially that the 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 instructions on how to find the facebook services um the instructions that are given to computers and mobile devices um were just wrong or incorrect or or messed up and because of that without the instructions of where to look they, they couldn't function they couldn't work um but i think you know Th- this still sort of is a good reminder for anyone listening who's got a business. Facebook groups are fantastic, but think about what would happen if Facebook was to go down tomorrow and then also accidentally, like, delete your data, delete your group's information. You should be extracting those that information as much as possible, not because you want access to people, but because people should be joining those groups to be able to sort of have that um, shared experience with you or to be able to hear what you have to say or to be able to communicate with you or others in that group. So um, by doing this, I think, but by sort of trying to own as much of that information, you're probably doing them a service because at the end of the day, they're not joining just for the sake of it or just for the fun of it. They're joining because they want to share or have a share of whatever you're. You're sort of putting out there, and whatever your um, your message is. So, just had to mention it. I know there's um, a bit going on with Facebook and how they target minors, and there's there's a lot of lot of uh, things to unravel there. It's still early days in terms of what's happening in the US regarding that. So, potentially something that we'll talk about um, in the next episode, or maybe even as a special episode, but. Um, at this stage, I think we can leave it at that. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, um, I've seen an an increase in, uh, pilot and brands like that, that essentially men's personal care brands that have recently sort of blown up. I did some research around why that was. And actually found out that the patent around Viagra and hair growth medication sort of happen to expire at a, at a very similar time and that essentially raised this opportunity for brands to just startups to essentially copy those products but do it under one label and only be differentiated by marketing and branding now this isn't a new phenomenon but I think it's An interesting thing to point out and an interesting sort of conversation to have because um, I've seen this in the past with um, watch brands and watch manufacturers. Um, I've seen it happen with toilet paper as well. And um, I think you mentioned, Kelsey, you've seen something happen similar to this as well?
1: Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm familiar with, uh, there's a machine called a TENS machine, which is kind of I like feel muscle repair and relaxation things um, and just sort of exploring that space, seeing how many different variations there are of the same product that all, you know, they can range from like 50 Australian to 200 Australian, but there's no real difference between them besides like the marketing that goes into it. Um, so I'm not sure what the like sort of patent stuff behind it is, but yeah, that's one product that I picked up on.
0: It's all, it's all mar- I mean, people say it's all marketing, but it's when these new brands come up that I really understand that it really is all marketing. I mean, obviously, I know it's all marketing. Um, the, the the other one was tissue paper. So we were looking at our toilet paper. We were looking at trying to get uh, something that is really good for the environment or as good for the environment as possible. Um, we looked at a few variations and a few different options. And the big one was just get 100% recycled toilet paper. When I started sort of going down that rabbit hole, as it turns out, big brands like who gives a c- I'm not going to say the word because I think that's it's a swear word in in some <laughs> on some platforms. Um but it's a very big brand, I would say, Kelsey, you've heard of them?
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah they've got some really funky sort of branding and wrapping and
0: stuff. Branding, right? I mean, yep. it's really targeting millennials. Um, but as it turns out, they it's a good product, but it's the same thing that you can buy off AliExpress straight from China, which is 100% recycled, but ultimately there's not a huge difference. In fact, there are competitors who essentially sell for the same price um, and it's all just branding and marketing. And what you've got to do is look a bit further into it to work out what is the product's actual characteristics and value there. Don't get me wrong, The at the end of the day, the, the way the world works, people pay for the amount of eyeballs that you can reach, and, they are, and that's the real value. So there are some watch... I'm, I love my watches, and there's a brand called Movement. Um, I think it was Movement. There are, there are a few um, who have been purchased, acquired, um, sold to uh, more established watch manufacturers, for example, or fashion brands, for example, simply because these new brands, you know, I'm talking about not the likes of Citizen or Seiko because those are staple brands that, you know, I I, I think they've always done well, they'll continue to do well, but brands like that um, that don't have a strong marketing push, I don't know about you, but I don't really see advertising for either of them unless I go past a jeweler maybe, mm-hmm. but these watch brands that come up who essentially just creates cheap Chinese, like, buys $10 watches from, from China and sells them for $250 because they can put a layer of marketing that you and I, if we are not interested in that product past, say, I want a nice watch or I want a simple looking watch, we're not going to look into, okay, what kind of watch is it? I mean, do you, do you Kelsey know that there are different like technologies behind watches? Do you know the (laughs) difference between quartz watches or automatic or semi-automatic watches?
1: No awareness, but I'm not the watch. I'm not a watch person, so. But well, exactly.
0: Well, but that that that's my point, right? So if you were to look at a look at a watch that looked good, and you were just after a nice watch to wear as a fashion accessory, and it costs you know an okay amount, like you didn't think it was outrageous, like it's not a you know twenty thousand dollar Rolex, but it's a two hundred dollar. You know, still too much
1: watch.
0: Yeah. Or a fifty dollar nice watch. You're probably looking at it from a aesthetic or fashion point of view, not a you know, principles and characteristics and features point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just wanted to have a quick chat about it because it kept sort of uh, popping up all over the web in terms of new brands who essentially do the same thing as any other brand, but it's just a marketing push. Um I mean, thinking
1: about the toilet paper that you sort of brought up before, um, I feel like there's a really important place for some of those companies who are putting the marketing into it because for that product, for example, unless you're really into your sort of sustainability sort of mindset, you might not even be aware that 100% recycled toilet paper is an option. So you've got these companies who are putting the marketing in to say here are the benefits of what we're doing. Yes, it's the same product you can buy from the factory in China, but – Here's why you should buy ours because we're telling you all this extra information. So I feel like there is an important place for those companies to get that information out. They're kind of like doing a social service in a way it, you know depending on the company of course because um, I mean that made potentially that's what made you aware of 100% recycled toilet paper existing.
0: I I, I, I get it yeah, completely. Um, I think my point here is because what you're talking about is really what is the point of difference and how are they how are they able to get more market share than anyone else and your point is completely valid because you're saying if they're able to educate their target market and educate a certain demographic um that's a good thing at the end of the day okay yes you know they might be selling it for more but then that marketing that they have to do costs more like yeah they've got to
1: cover those costs
0: exactly it's not cheap or free Mm mm-hmm so it it makes total sense um but at the same time it's a it's a reminder that marketing is everywhere and marketing is not everything at the same time yeah most most accurate so absolutely (laughs) you have to
1: take all those things with a grain of salt i think because you can look at that company and go hey that's a really good idea i get it let's look further in and maybe i'll find this cheaper alternative
0: Well, we'll, or look into it and sort of ask yourself like are all these things worth paying for um what what what's there to it more than just what what's being marketed to you um from from that to talking about microsoft's new latest product um windows 11 bit of a change of pace there but uh you've been using windows 11 yes as a A little while in, in in sort of release candidate or beta form for
1: Accidentally installed it without realizing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on your work laptop. So on yeah. your like main laptop, but Whoops. you haven't had a bad experience with it at all, have no, you? No, it's
1: been really smooth. I haven't had any problems with it. I've really enjoyed the user experience as well. Um obviously it's not a massive I mean, visually there's a change, but the core sort of functions and everything are still pretty this pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. So it's I didn't have a great experience when I accidentally installed Windows 11 on one of my devices. So I've been a bit burnt. I haven't tried it. You've you've been running it, Kelsey, for like two to three months, I want to say. Yeah, about so that. A fairly decent amount of time. And, you know, if there were issues with the operating system, those would have already popped up on on your device. But this is more of a shout-out than, than necessarily a deep dive into it. So if you've got a Windows 11-compatible device, you should check it out. Um, there's there's not a lot to talk about um, when it comes to the operating system itself, but they also haven't pushed out. Well, Microsoft hasn't also pushed out all the new functionality within Windows 11. So there might be things worth talking about in the future. Um, from from that into Vista Print. The le- reason I Google is because of Windows Vista um, and uh. Vista Vista <laughs> Print. The chance you'd make a, that connection. Yeah, uh, I don't like what you're implying. No, (laughs) (laughs) so you spotted this one, Kelsey, and yes, you were a bit confused by it, which is completely fair. Um, Mm -hmm. let me share what it is that we're going to talk about.
1: I had to ask, I had to ask for some clarification before this um stream. Um, so we spotted it on brand new. Um, which we love I I seem to check it almost every morning to see what brand updates there are and this one came up um, so as you can see in the image it is just on the Boston Celtics jersey at the moment Um, so Vistaprint you might be familiar with that's the one on the left their logo you might be more familiar with it's sort of the V there's like four different colors that would come into it a bit of overlap sort of stuff going on Um, the new logo whether it's the logo they're using everywhere or not, I'm unsure. Um, it's pretty much identical to the Celtics' uh, curvature, I guess, or the and the font that they use. So it seems like they've just duplicated that, maybe for like a visual, uh, I don't know, consistency kind of approach. Um, so I did have to check whether it was an actual rebrand or just a rebrand on the jerseys. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about about it.
0: Well, this is. This comes back to, I think, looking at something for its purpose versus looking at something for its design or layout. Um, while it does cause confusion for someone like you, Kelsey, um, I would say that even that confusion that is caused leads you to visit the actual Vistaprint site to confirm, and that's only because you're aware of Vistaprint, Mm -hmm. but if you'd never heard of Vistaprint before in this uh, screen grab that you can see on the, on video, I would say, hands down, Vistaprint on the left or the old Vistaprint logo is not legible. Um, no way yeah. near as legible as Vistaprint on the right-hand side of the new version. Mm-hmm. So this, I think, raises a question of what, is it okay to change a logo or check this might not even be a logo. This might just be a great example of using, using the space that they've clearly paid a lot of money for to get mm-hmm. more bang for their buck. Um, because yeah. the previous logo, I mean, was fine if you are already aware of, aware of the, the V icon, but if, if that, you know, had, had no impact on you, well, what's, what's the point, um, of this. Yeah. the money
1: it's interesting to note as well i was just looking at sort of the rest of the jersey nike is going in they're very confident with a white tick on a white shirt and they're just going yeah everyone knows who we are it's fine (laughs) we don't need to stand out i kind of love that confidence
0: (laughs) It, it, it it is yeah it is um interesting i actually didn't notice the nike tick until you mentioned it and i sort of looked a bit closer um but then again nike probably has a lot more presence within within i mean definitely a lot more presence within the sporting world but also probably within the stadium itself within other apparel for all we know everyone's rocking you know nike um shoes with big nike ticks on them um Mm -hmm. where vista print wouldn't necessarily get that level of coverage or or have the opportunity to have that have that level of coverage so um yeah this raises that question of i think at the end of the day what are you trying to achieve I ultimately I think would like this um, approach um, it doesn't do anything for uh, brand image and consistency but it does everything for you know awareness and
1: yeah, it's much more readable that's for sure
0: and, and at the end of the day what are you what are you spending your marketing dollars for for someone yeah. to see your name and remember your name or for someone to see an icon and recall oh, it, but...
1: maybe not quite maybe remember well, a color but that's yeah. not helpful
0: even if you exactly even if you remember the icon unless you know the name it's um w- w- i mean working on our our own branding that's a conversation that i was having with damien yesterday about what is what is the goal of an icon you know do we does the icon need to stand out more uh, does it does it matter how much it stands out if the if the name of the organisation itself is not as legible, and I think at the end of the day that needs to be the priority: reading the name of the organisation because that's what you can Google, that's what you can get to a website with, that's what you know you can you can uh, sort of be a customer of a business with. So um, I think it makes a lot more more sense what they've done here. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also get this conversation around Canva's new logo refresh out of the way while we're talking about um, brand new and talking about other brands. And, and I mean, Vistaprint's a design sort of brand as well, but what are, your, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: I like it, but it feels like a step backwards. And I'm not sure if I can articulate why it does, but it feels like an older logo than the Canva in the circle. And I feel like they've sort of lost an opportunity by getting rid of that circle to have that I mean really solid stamp of this is Canva, here's our circle recognize the color
0: I'm not is sure it because it's sort of got old school instagram vibes with the I was gradient. just
1: thinking makes me think of instagram because oh, of that oh, gradient. And the gradient
0: and the cursive cursive yeah. font right instagram uh, did they still use I think they still actually do use the cursive
1: yeah. Um, I think more so they use the icon now cause that's so recognizable, but when they do use the text, um, it does have the cursive and the gradient as far as I'm aware.
0: So maybe that's why you feel like it's a, a step back because, yeah, I mean, I actually didn't notice how weak the previous letters were and the previous logo was like the A's, are n- much better in the new logo. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually realize that the, that that last A in the old logo looks almost like a uppercase G.
1: <laughs> it does, yeah.
0: And um, there's a change in angle as well. It, <laughs> I've I've never given it the time of day, but looking at the Canva logo now, it the old logo was quite weak from a from a technical point of view. Um, yeah, well, clearly worked fine from a marketing point of view, but I think the new logo succeeds in a technical sense, but um, mm-hmm. maybe not from a marketing or branding sense
1: yeah i feel like they could have done a combination of those two in that they've cleaned up obviously the text and everything but kept it in the circle because i just feel like the circle adds that bit of strength um
0: potentially yeah as an iconic sort hmm. of representation of canva i also wonder what they'll do on social media now that they don't have that circle Um, well, I mean, it'll go into
1: a circle anyway,
0: won't it? Well, would they use the whole, whole text? Oh, there you go. So they've actually almost, I mean, not quite, but they've almost brought back the circle in this example.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, um, it looks, it looks very familiar from the old logo, which was in the circle, obviously, but they've just kind of added that gradient and clean up, cleaned up the text. Um,
0: uh, yeah, I think it's I mean, helped that they kept the script font. Um, th- that they didn't, well, for, for consistency's sake at least. Um, but this might be an instance where I would almost vote for them having them going with a, a flat color instead of, yeah. you know, I, I know we've talked about this in the past, and I've sort of, we've both, I think, uh, commented about logos shifting to a a black and white approach is not being a great thing, but maybe this is why why they just go go with that approach because when they try something different, they're not necessarily liked for it.
1: Mm. I mean, like I said, I don't hate it. I I do like it. It's just it just doesn't feel like a step forward. I think.
0: I think that's fair. That's that's a that's a fair comment. Um, but uh, I'd be interested to hear what you think um, listeners and, and watchers. Um, moving on to looking, um, at the 2022 WordPress theme, the word default WordPress theme. Now, anyone who's familiar with WordPress knows that each year WordPress, uh, launches a default theme that is named after that new year. So the previous one was 2021. Um, let me share what it looks like. We've got a few glimpses here. I haven't explored it too much, um, but sharing what it looks like in, in some screenshots from WP Tavern, I I, I think it's a great, great example of sort of a nice, simple theme. Uh, the default themes always tend to be quite simple. Um, they also tend to uh, be compromised by open source elements. So the fonts used in this example or used in the default themes open source, just like WordPress itself. And it naturally tends to be a theme for publishing, which makes sense again. So the this um, example, I think for the first time, I would argue for the first time, the 2022 theme um, or the default WordPress theme has gone with a slightly more creative approach um, they tend to be somewhat more simple but this one to me is this this sort of cascading effect is a bit more stylish um, and even this home page I think is quite nice what, what are your initial reactions Kelsey
1: um, yeah I mean it's very unoffensive it's simple Very easy, I think, to adjust to your own brand or whatever it is you're wanting to use it for, which is the point really when you've got a default um, theme. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't have too much to say about it.
0: More will come out as as we play around with it as well Um, and we might cover more info in future episodes. Um, But this is a bit like Windows 11. Wanted to flag it check it out. If you're in the WordPress world, uh, let us know what you think um, about it as well. Um, Jumping back to, ooh, should we talk about the four day work week?
1: (laughs) We haven't had this discussion in the office yet.
0: (laughs) It's something that I think about all the time. Um, And what, what, what sort of um, come up is the Verge sort of mentioning that game developer, Eidos montreal is switching to a four-day work week um there the the thing i wanted to bring up here is that i am not opposed to that sort of concept um and the theory around it is that when you decrease your working week productivity apparently doesn't drop so you do the same amount of work there's this whole thing about you know people fitting um when it comes to workloads, fitting in the workload um, to the time given, so a task you know might take thirty minutes if you've only got thirty minutes, but could take an hour if you if you've got an hour. I think this is so bigger from a sort of business sense in that it's a game developer. I don't know if you're across sort of all the drama around game development um, and poor working conditions, Kelsey.
1: Mm, I'm not, but it doesn't sound surprising from my understanding of some of the like tech startups and things in history, Facebook, for example, and just, yeah, long working hours and all that sort
0: of stuff. Facebook, Tesla, long working hours. Um, I, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of conversation to have i don't know um there's a comment on on the verge article saying that most of the research into four-day working weeks show that people have a lot of downtime over the course of a five-day week um where they're not engaged where they're making coffee chatting um and moving to four days makes people more engaged and productive over those days now i don't this is just a comment (laughs) in the comment section this might just be someone who uh you know as as um one of my friends would say someone who just walked up work walked off the street and uh gave their thoughts on something that they actually didn't have any expertise on um but as a as an employee kelsey what would what would your response be if um i floated that idea in the office
1: um i think i'd be keen for it um i mean it adds an extra day to your weekend which is always positive and I don't know i think i'm very dread- deadline driven personally so i think if i did only have four days let's say to get something done i'd probably work better and work harder towards those deadlines um haven't tested it so it could be the complete opposite but that would be my initial reaction but also i am coming from the perspective of i've definitely read a lot of stuff about four day work weeks over the years of just random news articles popping up and different studies that pop up and they all sort of say the same thing that i've just said so It could be very biased from that, reading those studies and things.
0: The only thing, the only negative I could think of is being client services. I think we could have issues with whatever day we take off, um, not being available to help clients, which, you know, obviously we're really big on. Um, And it does then increase the, the lag between, you know, email on Friday get a response on a Monday at the earliest to email on a Thursday let's say and get a response on a Monday Um, which by that stage you're almost um, you know as far apart from like it's it's basically you know um, half a week more than half a week gone by that stage because you know you send an email on day four of a work week you get a response on day one of a new work week Mm -hmm. and it I think raises an interesting, I mean, you have to shift sort of that, that sort of mentality. And I don't, and I don't know how c- like customer facing businesses would necessarily do the four day work week thing. Um, yeah. It's I different think it's... when you're, sorry, sorry. <laughs> like, it's different when you're a game developer because yeah, you're just, you're working towards something over a four year period. Um, and you don't, I would assume, you don't necessarily need to, you know, answer client emails um, immediately or, or that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think it sort of um, goes into more of a societal discussion when you're talking about customer facing um, and client facing businesses. Because obviously we can go, yeah, let's go to four day work week. But as you said, that'll impact the clients. But if the clients are also on a four day work week, there's no issue. But then, of course, you've got, um, you know, e-commerce or just shops, things like that, who operate through the weekends that might need support, um, who already have the issue of not being able to get support, let's say, for some websites or whatever. On a Saturday or Sunday it might be more difficult. So I think there's already some issues that show up in the current setup of things um, and it just ends up becoming more of a societal shift, um, which has happened in the past. I mean, Sundays used to be very much like religion-driven where nothing was open. And now things are open and businesses have adjusted to that. And obviously this is going back, I don't know, 60 years or something. But there's definitely like shifts that have happened in the past that have been a real big societal change. So it could happen.
0: What would you think about 10 hours a day instead of eight hours a day and then getting it, you know, getting your work week done in four days instead of five days? Mm.
1: The other, I mean, that sort of plays into a whole other issue. I think in that all these studies I've read are, I can't name any of them, obviously, but a lot of the studies I've read that sort of say, you know, people only have four hours or something of actual productivity in a day in a regular eight-hour workday. And just imagine if we up that to ten, would it still be just four hours of productivity? Would it reduce because you're thinking about a whole ten hours of work that you got to get through? I don't know what kind of impact that would have, um, or. When they talk about moving to a four-day work week are they literally saying drop off an entire day don't worry about the hours keep it to you know eight hours a day will the work still be done or does it need to be increased to 10. I think there's a lot of logistical and yeah all these different considerations that would need to go into it
0: oh so so many considerations on a I mean from a business owner point of view it's really around productivity and client support like not 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 even productivity it's it's about how much work can we still get the same amount of work done Um, because it it would require us to almost reframe estimates around projects as well because we've suddenly like or or does it you know are we still going to be as productive so clients who've been told we'd do something you know in eight weeks or 15 weeks can we still stay, stay true to that sort of time frame um or are we going to have to push those um it's, it's a big conversation to have again, like, like a few of the things we've brought up this episode. Um, but again, I think the biggest thing for me was that there's a game developer that's done that. They, they work on a different, you know, we, we don't work in a way that we work on a big project for four years and then reap the rewards. We work on projects that take three, six, maybe 12 months, but, um, not years. So, it's, there's there's different components that goes into what we do and how we work and, and different things to consider. Um, but like I said, you know, not, not, not totally opposed to the idea. Um, if it we'll meant... have to have
1: more conversations about this. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> once once um, we've all had a chance to think about it, I think it's um, something that we could discuss. Um, moving from that to Unity, we're back on brand new. These, the guys are brand new. Get get shout outs all the time, every single week. <laughs> yeah, it's our um, favorite
1: website, I think.
0: Yeah, I would say it's one of one of my favorites that I visit every day. Um, this time we're talking about Unity. Um, again, a nice segue because we were talking about game development. Um, this is, I would call this you know, a refresh, probably. Um, mm-hmm. And a, to me, this is a refresh in the right direction as well. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I agree. Um, I'm not super familiar with Unity. I recognize the brand and I knew that it was game related, but beyond that I'm actually not 100% sure. I think we well, game developers, I suppose. Um, yeah, I like it. I think as we sort of discussed in the past when they go to flat design, Unity's done the opposite. They haven't brought in color, but they've added two other shades of gray, which I think is nice. It adds a bit more depth and dimension to that box that they've got.
0: It is still um, flat though. I would. It is. I would yeah. say it's a flat, flat logo, but but it's
1: not more flat from the previous one, which a lot of brands have, have been doing, which
0: is completely flat. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I um, I like though that that effect because, like you said, they haven't flattened the logo, but
1: they've added depth to it. But it is still flat, <laughs> a single um, single color, even though it's greys. But yeah, they haven't introduced any like reds or blues or anything crazy like that just added lighting essentially to that box. And I like that they've capitalized the U as well.
0: Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's <laughs> they've, they've tweaked the, the, um, word mark a little bit. I, I don't know how the, look at this T here. I think the T looks a bit funny. That's the only comment with that, with that shift. Um, mm, I like it. Oh, look at the, um, whole sort of product identity system.
1: Wow, do you know what this has just made me think of? Looking at that,
0: Adobe GameCube.
1: No, GameCube. Oh. Yeah, they used to have like a little box that would bounce around, and the right. cutout ones they've got there make me think of GameCube.
0: Right, but it's very Adobe as well. I, I mean, I don't know whether Adobe were the first to use this approach of sort of acronyms within a colored, within a colored sort of identity system, but yeah, it does have that feel. I'm trying to work out if um. Why why is it sort of BK? Like none of the none of the letters seem to match the names, but that's okay. I, I I'm it's not our target group, it's not our target demographic. Um I do like these little components though that show how um each of these products help with the development. Um or sort of how they relate to what what element of development or what component of development. So mm-hmm. I think all in all, this is a nice example of um, how to sort of um, do a refresh without losing anything really. They've just yeah, moved, I think moved they've really improved it. Yeah, that's that's really all they've done.
1: Um, I'm really curious about how that actually compares to the GameCube logo. Cause I'm probably just imagining it now, but mm, find out. it just gonna, looks very similar.
0: Looks very similar oh, from my memory, funny. but this is
1: memory over years. Okay. It,
0: it's, it's a cube.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a cube with the same lighting structure.
0: Interesting. You are not wrong. That probably has more to do with balance though than anything else, like visual balance. Yeah. Um rather than well, I don't know whether they just maybe they did just copy copy it. <laughs> no,
1: there's um that. there's definitely enough differences there. It was just something that was familiar when I was looking at that animation because of the movement of the cube and I'm so familiar with watching that little I don't know the sound that it does, but yeah.
0: <laughs> never never had a game cube, so Oh. Um, I couldn't talk to it.
1: It's falling um, on deaf ears then
0: <laughs> a, a little bit, but I can, I, I did see the sort of similarities at least at at the start there. So, um, interesting brand video. Yeah, Slight, slight, slight missteps there, but then again, they've got a lot of products that they can talk about. And, um, I saw GameCube okay.
1: again through that uh, anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, one more, one more, uh, refresh. Um, with Gosh. Cadillac going, going flat again, well, monochrome and flat at the same time. In a time. really weird way too. Oh man. Like this was an opportunity to simplify the shape without, lo- I'm, I mean, I don't know what the shape represents in the first place or the icon represents. Do you have any yeah. no idea?
1: I've got no idea. I mean, I've never really looked at the original Cadillac logo that closely and it's, very odd and very complicated. So I can understand why they wanted to adjust it, but I don't know why they adjusted it to this.
0: Well, all they did was, uh, you use the right terminology there, they just adjusted it. They just adjusted the colours. They didn't, I wouldn't even call it a refresh. It's just a load, like a monochrome logo.
1: (laughs) It's almost like if you printed off that first logo in black and white, but the printing didn't quite work, so it didn't pick up all the little (laughs) shades and things. That's, That's what I'm thinking of right now.
0: Yeah, and that's not a compliment because the old logo was already a bit of a what were they doing or what were they thinking. Mm.
1: But at least it looks like a badge, which you want for a car.
0: We talked about Volvo maybe last week or the week before, Mm -hmm. and they sort of flattened their logo. I think for a lot of EV applications, they're flattening logos so they can light them up because, you know, lit up logos represent – electronic, um, sorry, electric vehicles for whatever reason. Um, I just don't get it. I I feel like they shouldn't have bothered with it it at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: and I'm trying to picture that, like, because it's so flat and kind of trying to be a badge but not quite on an actual real 3D physical car, just the thought of how that would look sounds uh, just, I don't know, it's weird.
0: Yeah, I'm just It looks weirdly weirdly like a transformer esque <laughs> because it looks sort of like a head or like a helmet. Mm-hmm. How mm, weird. Yeah, I just don't How like weird. it. All right, that's that's enough talk about um <laughs> enough talk about logos and icons, I think. Um let's let's cover off the last topic, which is Google and YouTube stop showing ads on content that denies climate change. Pretty yeah. self-explanatory heading there. Um, Google isu- issued an update saying um, essentially ads ads and monetization policies on climate change. In recent years, we've heard directly from a growing number of advertising and publisher partners who have expressed concerns about ads that run alongside or promote inaccurate claims about climate change. Advertisers simply don't want the ads to appear next to this content and publishers and creators don't want ads promoting these claims to appear on their pages or videos. This includes content referring to climate change as a hoax or a scam, claims denying that long-term trends show the global climate change is war- that, that, that the global climate is warming and claims denying that greenhouse gas emissions or human activity contribute to climate change. We will also continue to allow ads and monetization on other climate-related topics, including public debates on climate policy, the varying impacts of climate change, new research, and more. My initial reaction from a black and white point of view is... Why are we letting platforms decide what, what is right? What is wrong? What is moral? What is immoral? I think, you know, not seeing aggressive videos with, you know, abuse or murder or blood and gore is fair, but not seeing ads and content on, I don't know, other issues, where do you draw the line?
1: Yeah, I think it's a very big ethical conversation, obviously. Um, I mean, it's one thing to sort of have an opinion on something, and I think we've had this sort of discussion previously, have an opinion on something versus straight-up facts from the world's smartest scientists and all of that. Um, And where does social media and companies that have these kind of platforms, Google and all of that, like what point do they have to intervene and are they allowed to intervene and is that cutting into free speech or anything like that um i personally think that this is a great move i mean obviously it's positive for the advertisers because more well, for google because advertisers will continue <laughs> to advertise with them so that,
0: that, that is sort of the second thing that, that i noticed yeah. is they're effectively saying people don't want to pay to advertise next to these things so it's easier for us to remove these things and continue to take their money then then you know stop showing ads in front of this type of content well actually what they're saying is this content is of no monetary value or financial value to us so we're just not going to allow it anymore
1: yeah which i think is probably the main driver in it but then there's obviously the ethical considerations of maybe not well actually yes google and facebook and other platforms these days are such a breeding ground for misinformation and obviously there's been such a crackdown on it through Instagram and all of that, where they really tag it and say like, check the facts of this, it's related to COVID, for example. Um, And they'll really try to call it out. So I think that it's an ethical thing to do, to sort of say, this is not factually correct, and we will not support you by doing this, by giving you money from advertisers and blah, blah, blah. Um, But obviously it is also a very smart business decision to keep the advertisers on board. So it is twofold, but I think it's really positive. But it does come into that thing of where is the line drawn? What's okay to censor? What's not okay to censor? Does it all need to be absolutely factual to go through? Can there be some opinion in there? Well,
0: but then what is fact? Like that, that's, a yeah, whole sometimes
1: other... that's not clear cut. That's the thing. Like you can have obvious scientific stuff going on, but when there's other debates around well, all sorts even, of different,
0: like even obvious scientific things, um, there are scientists who say that climate change isn't a a problem you know it's it's not the general consensus it's not the vast majority do not say that but i mean there are scientists who say that there are sort of people who do research in certain areas who say that now and that it raises a bigger question i've had sort of conversations uh, during the week about this sort of thing is like how do we what do we say do we say okay you know you're a scientist if you fit xyz criteria is that yeah. how we do it or if you went to xyz school your doctorate is respected but if you got it from you know uh, phds are us.com we won't sort of accept it or value it um
1: yeah there's definitely um i can picture like the tin hat people sort of saying this is a conspiracy they'll only allow content that fits their agenda and their agendas who says their agenda's right kind of thing um, it's a tough one because obviously, when it comes to climate change, for example, it's pretty clear that it's real. There's thousands and thousands of scientists around the world that say it is, and as you said it's it depends on where those climate denying scientists are getting their degrees and things
0: well, <laughs> yeah it's more <laughs> that it's more that how do we decide who gets you know who's saying something that is supposed to be listened to more like i was um i stumbled across a debate um or heard about a debate with alex jones um the famous conspiracy theorist and i um i just I, i i was sort of like okay it was it was a debate between alex jones and someone else and i thought okay let me let me check out this debate because Alex Jones apparently just lost his lost his mind and just was you know going crazy as he's known to do. And I didn't realize that they actually he doesn't actually have a presence on a bunch of platforms as of twenty eighteen YouTube, Facebook, um, Spotify. Um, and I then went to his website and um, I could see why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Some- mm. Interesting I mean, stuff.
1: Yeah, all these platforms, they've always had community guidelines and policies that allow them to remove people that they were deem problematic. So it, like this, it just is an extension of that, surely. And there is obviously yeah. more ethical questions to come up around it, but its it's not like it's a new thing. It's so not a
0: new thing, but I think increasingly it raises questions around, okay, you know, how much control do these platforms then have? Because if you can see more of certain type of content, if they can sculpt content, like like this is, this is going a bit crazy, but like what if it was to be, you know, Facebook versus the government of the United States or government of US, UK and Australia trying to do, you know, X, Y, Z to Facebook? What stops Facebook from just going, you know what, all your, you know, all these platforms that push news in your countries, we're banning them. Um, We're only allowing these other platforms that are on our side to push information out. Um, And then, you know, what happens there? How do we manage that? How do we control that? Again, (laughs) another topic in this week's episode (laughs) that's like a huge can of worms, um, huge topic to get into. But um, I'd love to hear, you know, you you your... Thoughts, if you're listening if you're watching the video um, i'm gonna hop in and have have uh conversations with anyone who wants to sort of get into these topics and i think um, it's at the very least an interesting exercise in in talking about different viewpoints and talking about different approaches um, but a lot of news this week um, but that's, that's about it from from my end how about from you Kelsey
1: Yeah, no, I think that's everything. We definitely had a few uh, deep conversations, topics that came up today. So our little shelf of worm cans, whatever you call them, is growing. But yeah, everything from me.
0: There's a lot more to get into, but uh, remember to follow, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff. Check out the Facebook group. We've also got the Future Tribe Clips channel where you can get short snippets of things that we talk about on our longer episodes and our longer streams in bite-sized, more narrow sort of content. Um, check all those spaces out and let us know if you want us to cover or discuss anything at all. You'll see all our contact details and links in the description of whatever platform you're listening to or watching this on. Have a good week and we'll see you on the next episode.
1: Yeah, catch you then.